Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Light the Fight, and I'm David. And I'm Heidi. And we're here to talk about feelings. <laughs> yep. David loves to talk about feelings. All day, Ed, day. <laughs> I don't know how you That's can my jam. talk about feelings all day and then come here to the podcast and talk about feelings. You're so, you're so awesome. Well, if anyone out there, I, I sure hope not, but if anyone out there was ever had the un- fortunate privilege of ever dating me in my youth, you'll know that probably cried more than any other boyfriend you'd ever had. (laughs) I've had no shortage of feelings throughout my life, no shortage of words to express my feelings. So I fell into the right profession. That's, that's awesome. I think it's great. And and you know, I, I always think in fact, tonight when I was driving here and I had like all these different thoughts going around in my head and I just thought, you know, I'm so thankful that you're willing to come here (laughs) every week. Rain or shine. Well, yeah, especially days like today. Like I, I don't have a cold, but I got some weird virus. I'm like all weak and dizzy and like nauseous. Like it's weird. So if I stop talking and you hear a thud hit the table, that's my forehead. Hopefully, Heidi. The number is nine one one. And yeah, just tell them to. Actually, we're right next to the prison. I'm sure they got EMT. You'll be fine. Close by. You'll be fine. Well, thank you guys for visiting as always. And um, you know, we do want to remind you that if you are in need of help for your young teenager, please go to teencounseling.com and use backslash LTF. Um, not only is teen counseling revolutionizing e-therapy, they're giving you the opportunity and your kids the opportunity to get counseling through your cell phone. They make it very easy, very user-friendly, and talk about easy to access. Um, you don't have to drive anywhere, especially if you're in a rural area or just plain out having a difficult time finding a counselor. Please go to teencounseling.com backslash LTF, and they will actually give you 10% off your very first month. And it's very affordable, guys. It's uh, half the price of one of the counseling sessions for me. I, I don't believe from our listeners it's half the quality. It definitely is quality therapy from licensed professionals that they set you up with uh, to uh, meet your needs. But it really is a great alternative to traditional therapy. So yeah. I highly suggest if you're curious about it, go check it out, go through the process and and uh and see what happens. Yep. So um let's uh start talking about um well, we already did the podcast, but now we have to repeat everything <laughs> we just said. A lot of times we have long conversations before the podcast started. We're like, we should have pressed record. We wouldn't have to do this twice. So I know, it's true. Hopefully our jokes are as funny as the second time. As they were the first time. I laughed on our first non-recorded podcast of the evening. So Heidi, why don't you kick us off with uh, today's ep- Oh, before we get in the episode, we have an idea, guys. So all of our loyal listeners out there, um, even if you're not a loyal listener, you just kind of pop in every now and then, please do us a favor. We've decided in this new year, um, not only are we going to start answering questions again, which we did last week, 
but we also are going to entertain having some guests every now and then. So we want to entertain, entertaining. Yeah. Entertain, entertaining. Yeah. So what we're asking you, our listeners, if you have any guests out there that you, or any people that you know, um, that you feel would be a great guest for our podcast, will you please message us? Um, you can message us at, is it contact at light the fight? Support at lightthefight.com. And that's our email. Uh, or you can, if you're on Instagram or on Facebook, you could send us a message and just telling us a little bit about the person. And uh, we'd love to hear from you because ultimately you as the listeners, many people have told me, oh, man, you should have this person on. You should have this person on. And for the first couple of years, we're like, you know, I'm sure it'd be great. But right now we're just we talk too much. I don't even know if we'd have a guest and they'd say like their name and we're like, okay, that's enough. We, we need to talk. Right. So, um, but I, I just, I think it's a, it's a good time to start bringing on some guests and I know there's great people out there. You guys, I know there's a lot of people that already have great influence over you. If they're in the area, if we can make it work out, we'd like to consider some guests. So please message us, hit us up and let us know. We also want to hear from you about topics or questions that you would love to hear from us, hear us banter about. about. Yeah. Well, we haven't given you guys a lot of choices in our topics. It's mostly Heidi's like, here's my problem this week. I'm like, press record. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm always thinking, I'm always coming up with something. Or it's a problem that one of your friends are having. Wink, wink. Yes. Right. One of your friends. Because people actually do DM me quite regularly um, about, about stuff that's going on, stuff that's going on with their kids and you know. And it might be a kick out of it for them to go, I think that was the conversation I just had with Heidi. <laughs> she made it a topic. Probably. So but Usually I'll tell them, I think, well, maybe we need to talk about this on the podcast. Yeah. yeah well, I yeah, you are good at getting permission first. Well. You don't give their full name. We just use their initials. <laughs> and then I just, you know, who would you like me to subtweet this, you know? Who do you want me to text the, the link to? <laughs> so those are our requests. So one request is if you have any guests that you'd like to recommend. And then the other request is if you have any topics and any questions for us, we'd be happy to hear it. And it just may end up on one of our episodes. That's right. That's right. Well, when I was driving here, I mean, there's there's a lot of things going on in in my own head. And I, and I will say, I kind of think that with a new year, and I told you that my new year didn't actually start until like February 1st because I took the, the January trial period and all that. Yeah. But I think that whenever you have a new year, you just open up just a little bit to new things. And I really think that one of the things that's sort of happening is along with me being a little bit more open, a little bit more curious about things, um, I'm also maybe being able to see myself a little bit more clearly. Like, you know, we often talk about this mirror where um, we kind of look out there and we see how we're reflected in our relationships, maybe in our work, um, maybe, you know, in our interactions with our kids, whatever. And I think that for me as... Um, we're kind of rounding, it's going to be five years since we lost Corey. And it feels like when I say five years, it sounds like a long time. Only it doesn't really feel like it's been a long time. It still feels 
I can't imagine the pain is five years old. Well, it just, it just still feels, and I've said this before, it feels current. It feels present tense. It doesn't feel past. But I will say this, and I, and I've, and I think this happens often that sometimes, like as I experience, and and I I will say I feel like I'm experiencing healing, and um, strength, and and that I feel um, one of the signs of of healing for me is just increased creativity, or just even increased to for desire to be creative. Um. But one of the things that's been happening is I'll get these little moments of clarity where I see myself and realize how different I am. Um, and I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really open for a minute, and um, and this, and I'm gonna talk about something that's changed in me that. That I'm a, that I'm probably that I'm a little uncomfortable with. Um, We're listening. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had me with I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> so, pre loss of Corey Heidi, loved. Um, I loved being around people. I would consider myself very social. Random conversation with strangers. You're on a plane. Yeah. Hey, what's up? Well, what are you reading? Airplanes. Yeah. I talked to people that sat next to me um, at church. You couldn't get me out of church building. Like my kids would be like, "Mom, we're starving," you know, and I'm still chit chatting. It's getting away. dark. <laughs> um, and even like I loved to party. I was a more the merrier. I, I always was involved. Um, and. Okay, mind you, probably people around me are like, yeah, we've noticed. But this just barely, like I've just been having this realization um, that I have developed some extreme social anxiety. And um, my self-perception doesn't match the way that, I, that I'm feeling. Um, and so, so what, if I talk about social anxiety... Um, I go to church with these people that I've known for years, that I know love me, that I know their families. They were your support system when Corey passed. And oh. I I don't want to talk to anyone. Um, I'll go to like a school meeting or like the dance meeting and there's other moms. And I feel uncomfortable. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't I don't want to make eye contact with anybody. And then the worst, the worst of the worst where I really used to love is to go to, to events where I get to network, like a networking style events. I hate it. Um, I'm uncomfortable. I feel out of place. I I don't, I don't. I don't know how to be. And um, it got me thinking, like, is it, you know, I don't know if it's PTSD. I don't, I don't know what 
what it is, but I'm aware of it. And I would like to reconnect with, I mean, we've talked about how old Heidi's dead, right? We've talked about that. We've talked about um, how trauma changes you. And it can change you in good ways and in hard ways. But this is one particular area that I I want to f- fix. I want to um, figure out and understand how I can um, overcome. Like nobody wants nobody wants to live with this <laughs> weird social anxiety. Plus, people like then have expectations of me. You know, like because of especially people who maybe knew what I used to be like, or maybe they are um, or just familiar with my online persona or something. Yeah, your social media persona, yeah. You'd you know, never guess that you had a struggles now, like that. Yeah. I know that I'm not the only one with extreme social anxiety, and I think that I probably <laughs> connect with how teenagers talk about um, social situations um, social social anxiety is a a big deal, and um, <laughs> I can imagine like all the things that have contributed to me <laughs> having these issues. Um, but I wondered if we could talk about that. I wondered if we could talk about <sighs> how to over like genuinely overcome stuff that we have an awareness of, and we. You know, maybe we don't really know where to start. So, um, first of all, thanks for sharing that because I'm pretty confident that the majority of people that will be listening to this podcast, either A, themselves can relate to what you're talking about um, in their own right, you know, because, you know, what can create social anxiety may be different from one person versus the other but once you're there it feels the same <laughs> right and once you got it it's you know the <laughs> symptoms are the same you know um so first of all just just thanks for for sharing that and and you know the times on our podcast which oftentimes you do you'll put yourself out there you'll be very open to what you're going through it's it's a good teaching point because i know for myself um it really helps when i get to hear other people share the experiences that they've had that they're currently whether they've gone through, but also they're currently still trying to deal with. Because then I'm actively listening. I'm like, okay, this is not a finished product. I want to see, <laughs> I want to be on this ride with them. So thank you for doing that for our listeners. Um, but before the podcast had started, we had talked about that social anxiety. It puts up these walls around you. And those walls are there to protect you, right? Um Which I didn't really think about. I really just think about my maybe feeling annoyed or feeling stupid. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask you to feeling... elaborate on. <laughs> um you know, I think that probably all of us as adults and and I'm assuming a lot of us who are listening, a lot of our listeners are adults. Maybe we can think back to a time when we had a lot less to lose or you know, maybe we do love social um situations. Maybe we were a lot more free. Maybe we had a lot more fun. Um, and then you get older and it's like, okay, this isn't fun or I don't like to do this anymore. I don't, you know, whatever. Um, 
I mean, I just think about, you know, there's a lot of memes about how people just want to stay home and they just want to go to bed and, and it just, it's just making me wonder. And, and so you did, you asked me like, what are the emotions that, that I'm feeling? So, you know, I don't feel like I'm going to these situations. Like I'm so cool. I'm so much cooler than all of you people. And so don't talk to me, you know, that would definitely not be the emotions. I think that I do have a lot of like, I don't belong here. Um, I, I don't feel good about myself. I feel like I'm less than because of my experiences. Um, and, and it's hard. I mentioned this a little bit, just a lot of negative feelings about myself going into social situations. Um, uh, and I would never like look in the mirror and be like, you're good enough. You're strong. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I kind of look in the mirror and think, who are you trying to kid? <laughs> That's kind of what I feel. Which, you know, and then, and then there's a reality like, you know, Heidi, people like you. <laughs> it's fine. You know, you don't have any enemies in this room. I mean, maybe there's one in every room. <laughs> well, <laughs> you could qualify as one room. in every room. <laughs> you know, it, depending on the day, you might bring the enemy. You yeah, know? that's probably true. Well, when we were talking about for the podcast, and thanks for elaborating on that a little bit, but before, before the podcast actually started... Um, the topic that we first were having was there's a lot of people in our life that are having really negative self-talk, a lot of negative chatter inside their brain. And you were talking about your kids at first, and then it transitioned to saying, well, I know that they have negative self-chatter in their brain, and when they have it and they say it out loud, I want to stop it. And then it got into, because I have my own fair share of negative self-chatter in my own brain, so to have their uh, you know, just low self-esteem or just degrading themselves, you know, you know overly critical themselves. Well, I'm thinking to myself at the same time, I'm thinking if, if I'm noticing pretty significant negative self-talk in my children and, and I need to kind of come in as a parent, as a parenting role here. And then I'm thinking, well, I got some pretty serious negative self-talk of my own. How do I even show up for that? You know, how do I even, like we've talked about modeling. We've talked about how we have to walk the walk if we even expect our kids to listen to us at all because the BS meter is going to go off, right? They're going to be like, well, mom, weren't you just ripping on yourself? Yeah, how are you supposed to model an outfit you don't even own? Can't. You can't give something to your kids that you're still working on yourself. And so that part that you just said right there started to switch over to, we started to talk about, it's not that you have social anxiety all the time with everybody. There are people that have nudged you in a different direction that like the only reason why we're having this conversation, cause it's fresh, it's hot off the press. You're just realizing this now, how you got to this place is that you are having deeper conversations, longer lasting conversations with still a small group of people. And it's those deep connections with those people over time have led to longer conversations. Those longer conversations helps you bring down your walls. 
You don't have social anxiety with every person. You only have social anxieties in certain situations. Well, and I also noticed that when somebody comes to me, like asking me for help, asking a question, wanting to know my opinion, wanting help from me, I don't have any self. I don't have any social anxiety. You know, I'm more than happy to help anyone, even if I was feeling super intimidated. Your brain goes from protecting yourself from the fears of what they may think or what may be going on in that environment to, oh, I'm needed. There's a purpose for me. And then all of a sudden it switches and your anxiety has gone out the window. So isn't that interesting when we feel that we have purpose or that someone needs us, we can just like flip the switch well, all the, all the horrible things, the trauma and everything that you've been through now is giving you a significant advantage in a situation that other people need that information. She had this total light bulb moment when you said that because we talk about purposeful struggle all the time. We talk about it with our kids. Like we're trying to, for the new listeners, we're, when we talk about pur- purposeful struggle, meaning we're constantly trying to give our kids struggle that has purpose. Is what they need. Yeah, is what they need. Because they're going to struggle, but not all their struggles can have some sort of outcome so or return on it. Again, this light, my, I'm sorry, I'm having a light bulb moment. I love it when this happens. When we do have a kid that is dealing with negative self-talk and we can go with them, go to them and need them, it may just help them flip the switch. I guess that's what you're trying to teach me. I think I got it. Well, you've said many times that this podcast has helped you in more ways than you could possibly imagine. Absolutely. Like you said, you would not be where you're at mentally, emotionally in the place in your life had you have not had some way to sort out and work through all these different thoughts and feelings and emotion. Because even though lots of people are listening to this, you don't see any of them. You're not listening to them listen to you. You're not watching their reaction. So it's safe for you. So you don't really have your walls up against anyone who's coming to you and asking you for advice. You don't have your walls up against people who are listening to the podcast because they're not threatening and they can't expose some sort of flaw or weakness or insecurity that that you may have with yourself. But when we talk about with your own kids, it gives you that purpose. Now your struggle actually has a brand. Okay, I can help with this struggle. I've got information that there's no way these other people have had. You don't want them to go through those experiences. So let me give them a couple shortcuts to help them. But we also talked about before the podcast started how when you have deeper connections with people, your walls come down. The conversations have more meaning. Your life experiences, both good and bad, have more purpose. Their life experiences, both good and bad, have more purpose. Well, and if somebody comes to you, like kind of going back to that whole, like, I don't feel social anxiety, I don't feel anxiety in a relationship. If somebody comes to me and asks me um, for help or needs something from me, I don't have walls on that, um, which creates a vulnerability and allows that deeper connection to happen. Because when we do ask for help, we don't go in with a big, you know, a big ego when we ask for help, right? Because that's the opposite of having a big ego yeah. is being willing to ask for help. Um, 
And so a vulnerable person is not threatening your right. ego. They're not threatening. They're, there's no, they can't make you anxious at that moment. Well, they can't give you anxiety. They may give you that sense of purpose, that sense of, oh, you can help out. I know for myself, and I'm, I'm hoping and assuming many of our listeners can relate to this. The times where I have social anxiety, it came from social fails. I stuck my foot in my mouth. I said, especially as a young man, as you think my jokes aren't funny now when you listen to the podcast. <laughs> I was that kid that he would overstep the bounds a lot when he was younger. And then people would be looking at me like, not only do we not think that was funny, that was offensive. We don't, we don't know if we want to hang out with you anymore. And then my social anxiety was, I was up at night going, what did I say that for you? Freaking idiot. What's wrong with you? Ugh. And I'm like, I'm going over the conversation in my head over and over and over. And I'm like, what? And the next time I'm around that person or those people, <sighs> like I'm so fearful, not only of what they think of me, but I'm also reliving that conversation. Think about what they think of me and then fearing that I'm going to say something else stupid. That That's the basic fundamental of how... The, the proof comes that you could screw up socially, that you may not be able to talk about what matters. Now, look at that, what I just said to you at this particular moment. Does that sound like a person that other people, so me, the person I was just describing, does that sound like a, other, a person that someone's going to come and say, hey, I want your opinion on something. I want your advice on something. <laughs> I want you to shed new light and intelligence on this subject. No. Probably not. <laughs> no one's going to ask me about my life experiences, about the things I've learned when I've made a fool of myself. And so now I go from, oh, I can progress socially and connect with people to, I got to build the walls higher. You cannot focus on personal progression and personal protection at the same time. Social anxiety stops us from personal progression in those arenas and in those situations, those avenues. I want you to repeat that one more time. You can't. Personal progression can stop us from personal protection. So us having social anxiety, building our walls around us, it stops us from achieving personal progression, at least in that social group. Because I don't want to be general to say like, like when you said social anxiety, like struggle with social anxiety, that's why I was like, give more specifics because you don't struggle with social anxiety with us in this room. You don't struggle with people that come and talk to you at your shows that want to talk to you about your life. The first two shows that you did, um, after Corey's passing, when I say shows, meaning there's a big show that she does every January, right? Yeah. These first, like an industry trade yeah, show. Yeah, an industry work. trade show for work. Those first two years, I remember you saying, no one talked to me about the crafting and I was so thankful. <laughs> and it, was, it, was a, it wasn't like you're thankful, thankful. I mean, they still bought products, but they were so, the first year it was like you got a lot of the shoulder rubs, like, hey, you know, come here, let me give yeah. you a hug. And that made you uncomfortable because they wouldn't be giving me hugs at this show. They'd normally just be talking about my product. But you're thankful because it just kind of let the cat out of the bag. Like, okay, here right. it is. It was, it, we it broke the ice. on eggshells. It was out. And then the second year, you started to have conversations where you started to report to people where you're at and what you learned. Then the third year, there's more of that. To this year, it was so much still about you, but it wasn't about your trauma. It was about where you're at right now. It was about the person you've evolved to be. So what social anxiety gives us is it does give us a definite marker of saying in this arena with these people in this situations or in these type of situations, you have to check yourself and look at yourself. Why am I putting these walls up? Because confident people, or if you're confident about a situation, about a relationship, 
there's no need to have social anxiety. There's, well, there's no purpose for it. It's a mutual exchange back and forth. There's no need to have walls up around people that you feel comfortable and secure with. That's why I said the, the deeper the connection, you're more willing to have longer conversations. Social anxiety does not make you want to have long conversations. Surface conversations, yes. Quick conversations and get out, yes. Or the third one is the pressured speech conversations. It'll make you ramble on like a bumbling idiot for an hour. And I tell you about this other thing that I did that's really exciting. Okay, those are the three go-tos when people have social anxiety. Pressured speech, <laughs> super guarded, or, you know, I can't even forget. What was the third one I just said? Anyways, you guys get the point. Go back and rewind that. It's just the super quick, like, in and yeah, out. Yeah, the super quick in out, but you don't want to be there for a while. Right. But if there's people that you have a deeper connection with, take a deep breath, you slow it down, and you don't have to be a certain person or a certain way. You're just kind of there kind of to see what happens. Just figuring out. That's progression. The more people, and this is, I'm speaking to all listeners, the more people that you have a close, comfortable connection with, that gives you more opportunities to practice language and conversations with people. And you get to find what words best describe your thoughts and feelings. When we feel anxiety, the, the tension of messing up a conversation, saying something stupid, talking out of turn, we're not likely to experiment with words and try to pick and choose different words to express ourselves because it's not safe to do that. So that's why when I said you can't achieve personal progression while you're immense with social anxiety, it doesn't mean that you as an individual person can't progress. What it means is socially, you're not going to get better. You're just going to hunker down and make sure you don't screw things up worse. So let's say that I want to, me as a person, where I am right now, and, and, and let's say that I have to gain some modeling, right? I have to, if I want to um, better be a resource for my kids in their negative self-talk or social situations, um, I'm aware of it. And, and here I'm telling you that I want to improve. I want to um, fix this. Like I, I want to be able to handle these situations better. Um, but connection isn't always like super easy in a social situation, right? Like it's not like I can really – I mean the reality is if you come and you talk to me, I, it's, I'm not very good at super surfacey conversation it usually is pretty real conversation pretty fast right? well that's that's why you feel more comfortable with people that are bringing you deep conversations not surface conversations so how can i improve this like what what's g give me like two rhyming things <laughs> <laughs> well let's get back to what our original topic was it wasn't like you're at a place where you've already improved it a great deal we're talking about it your goal is how do i help my kids and my family members who are who are exhibiting similar things like for all of our listeners, they're talking about, okay, yeah, they may struggle with this, but what about their loved ones that they want to, because if you have a lot of social anxiety, you're probably not the best person to coach someone through theirs. Right. You can relate to it. You can understand it. You can go, oh my gosh, me too. But if you talk with them back and forth, you guys may be able to come up with better ideas together. But how could you talk about social anxiety? How could you talk about your kid's social anxiety 
simply by telling them what to do or to think happy thoughts without you acknowledging that you're in a similar place. So really just connecting over the same types of feelings. So sometimes, I don't know if you've ever done this, one way to deal with this, and this is in a very protective way, but it's a sly way. And some people say, I do this and it's good enough, okay? In uncomfortable social situations, they ask the other people lots of questions and divert the attention from themselves. Enough about me. Hey, more about you. Right, and they get right. really good at getting other people to talk about themselves. They walk away and then they realize the people are like, wow, that was a great conversation. Because <laughs> who doesn't like it when someone's asking them tons of questions about them? Everyone loves to talk about themselves. Unless you feel uncomfortable about yourself, then you want to deflect it to other people. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's me. I do not. <laughs> I didn't pick that one out of a hat. Okay, That was not a random. I just forgot to mention that one earlier. So instead of doing that, because that's really just a placeholder, that doesn't bring your walls down. That's just a clever, sly way of not exposing your walls. And practicing, though, like yeah. face and replace or something like yeah. that. But what I just said is an in-betweener. It's not bad. Because anytime you're engaging other people, that's a good thing for them, right? But if you want to be able to help your friends and family members with their social anxiety and at the same time improve your own, A, find the right time, the right place, the right scenario to acknowledge that you have social anxiety, like start a podcast, you know, I, get a bunch of people to listen. Okay. I got to tell you this story. I got to tell you a story because it goes right along with this. So a couple weeks ago, um, I got invited to a big party, a big launch party. And um, I posted about it on social media, okay, that, that I went. And um, it was it was a launch party. It was a bunch of influencers that were invited. And um, Utah has a really unique influencer networking community, right? And everybody, like, everybody knows each other. And and it's and it's interesting. And so I knew a lot of the people that would be there and I was still stressed about it. I was stressed about what I was wearing. I was stressed just whatever. And um in this particular situation, Colton was actually invited to come with me. Oh, okay. And um and Colton was stoked. Like zero social anxiety <laughs> from Colton. And as we're driving there, yeah, it's not a bunch of his peers there. He can just sit no, back and he watch. Didn't even <laughs> care, right? He probably had a great time. As we're driving there, like my hands are sweaty, my my pits were like I was really. I sure hope this degree does work twenty four <laughs> hours like they say it does in the commercial, and right? I was like, Mom, what is your problem? And I was just like, I don't know. I'm just I'm nervous. I don't like this situation. And Colton looks at me and he's like, Mom, even if you're not a big dog, you got to run with the big dogs. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, mom, you just got to, you just got to get in there. You just got to run. They don't know if you're a big dog or a little dog. They just, you're just in the pack. You just got to run with them. And I was like, what are you talking about? And, and then Colton. So if you followed me, or if you know the story of my family at all, um, Colton's a rugby player and he's not a big traditional rugby playing looking kid. He's not 250 pounds small. No, no, no. <laughs> So last summer he got invited to play on a men's league with a lot of two hundred and fifty pounds of yes. I saw those yes. 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 and he said to me, he's like, Mom, you think that when I got invited to play on this team, you think I could just act like I was a little dog? No. I had to get out there to like run with the big dogs. I had to run as fast as I could. I had to I had to get in there, I had to be in the pack. 
And I was like, huh. And I, I remember as a mom, I remember feeling like, holy crap, my kid is going to go out there and, and play with these, these guys. And I remember as a mom yeah. being like, what, what am I doing? What, why am I letting him do this? Or, you know, how's Colton feeling? And, um, and it was just interesting for me in this situation to have my son, I mean, I, 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 I couldn't not, he could tell that I was uncomfortable and, um, it was really interesting for me to have this pep talk from my 22 year old kid and it did make sense, you know, and then we're walking in there and he grabs my mom and he's like, come on, little dog, you know, (laughs) like, and, and then I couldn't help but laugh and, um, it it did put me more at ease because I had let him in on my secret and he was there kind of supporting me in my secret of pretending to be a big dog or trying to get myself to run with the pack. <laughs> well, um, so you wanted something that rhymed or something? Yes, give like me something that. that rhymes. I always love the rhymes. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if this one's rhyme, if this one rhymes, but this is what... I teach more. It's usually older teenagers and young adults. I can say this too, because the younger teenagers, I do this for them and we're doing this, but they, I don't know if they'd really get the concept as much. So social anxiety is real. You know, we talked about it. A lot of people, whether they have it all day, every day, everyone's had it in some scenario, right? So no, everyone knows to some degree what that's like. But when people come to me and it's really preventing them from their own personal progression, like I talk about stopping their own individual growth, I talk to them and we work on tools and different you know, experiments that'll have them go out and, and test and come back and report and see how it went. I tell them they have, to, they have to turn their social anxiety into social autonomy. And what that means is when someone has their own autonomy, it, it basically means that they, they know like their own individual self, right? They're, they're developing their own autonomy. They're developing like... This is who I am. A lot of affirmations speak about that. I am this. I am that. But what you're really saying when you're saying I am this, you're saying this is what I have to offer to my social groups. This is what I bring to the table. This is what I have that matters. And when people talk about living your truth, what I believe that they're trying to say is they're trying to say, this is my own social autonomy. This is what I bring to the table. This is what I offer. If this is something that you see as valuable and this matters and this is going to benefit your life, great. Then you would probably benefit being my friend or us working together in some sort of partnership. If not, then I'm not going to go outside of my own autonomy just to meet your expectations. All too often, we will go overboard to try to get the acceptance from other people. Early in the podcast, or I don't know if it was in the podcast or before we started talking, acceptance is a powerful drug. Yeah. We are chasing the tail of that dragon. Everybody wants it. Everybody needs it. Some people, their addiction, it becomes an addiction to attention. Other people, it's just it's just a self it's like eating healthy. It's like getting good sleep. You need people to acknowledge you, to see you, to believe in you, right? To a certain degree. So social autonomy is who do I know who I am in the middle of a group of people? I was actually thinking about this today for myself. I I was like, how did I get to this point where I very, I had one weird social experience recently 
and it was it was so quirky and so funny, but it made me it's been a long time where I where I was thinking at night during the day about something stupid that I said. And it was a really good feeling for me because I'm like, I remember this. I used to be stressed and worried about this all the time. It's I think it's been years before I was like, I knowingly knew I said something stupid, put my foot in my mouth, and I just couldn't get over it. I'm like, how could I make that mistake? Like it wasn't like anything hurtful or offensive to something. It was just like what was it? I just want to slap myself. That was stupid, right? It was so <laughs> unnecessary. Couldn't stop thinking about it. Couldn't stop thinking about it. But what pulled me back away from that was I've developed some very strong social autonomy. Now, there don't get me wrong. There may be tons of people that think that I overstepped my bounds or they don't like what I said, but it's nothing that I was like, hey, I was, I was a dork or I was an idiot, right? It was not, nothing that was known to me. But when I talk to these young people about developing their own social autonomy, it is your own autonomy, but in a social situation. A lot of times we will know or we will have a belief of who we are, but you put that same person in a group of other people, peers or other people they, they look up to admire, they doubt and they question it. They, they cower. They, they pull back and they pull away. So from my determination, I couldn't really figure out for years, like, what's the opposite of social anxiety? Social, I'm like, Social security, I'm like, nah, that doesn't work. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like that, that's it not gonna work on so many levels. It's on so many levels it doesn't work. And I, right. And so I thought about it, I'm like, autonomy is just from those ages from 18 to 25 years old in psychological development, we're really developing our own autonomy. The early teenage years, it's like, I'm a jock, I'm a skater, I'm this, I'm that. It's like, what group am I a part of? But from 18 to 25, it's like, what about me do I bring to the group? Like, how do I add something to the group? And so I encourage you, Heidi, and our listeners to think about that. Am I on the pathway? Am I working on my own social autonomy? And it, it may be a new terminal. I don't even know. I made this up a couple of years ago. Just to tr I was trying to find kids were like, well, so what are you saying? The opposite of social anxiety. I'm like, I don't even know. I got to think of something. But when I looked at their developmental stages, they're in the stages of developing their own autonomy. So I'm like, well, it's social autonomy. And then we started to, and I started to look into it. I don't even know if anyone's ever made a thing out of that. You might Google it. Something well, may come up. Something may not come up. But I hope you understand what I'm- It makes good sense because if you're going into a situation hoping that you're going to morph into whatever everybody's like there- because that's what our adolescent brain wants to do. Our then, adolescent brain says, I just got to adapt right. to whatever people need me to be. And and when I go into a place where everybody has this beautiful long hair, which I feel like everybody does, then I'm just like, okay, well, I'm the short hair girl. <laughs> you, you know, and and kind of that goes back to just like owning your your story, going in and and I and I like that because I think that that is something that I can practice. I can think about. I can have awareness because. I do know who I am and I do know what my angle is. When I get into trouble is when I want to go in and try to be something that Exactly. I'm not. And so the and I don't because I've done this, I know everybody's done this, but conforming okay, I shouldn't say conforming, looking at the room and saying, What do I have to do to be liked and accepted? That is um it's it's very biological. Nobody wants to be on the outside. But then also go in the room saying, what do I have to do to stand out so everybody notices me? That's just the other end of the spectrum, right? That's just on the other opposite end. But going into the room saying, I know I have these things about me. Some people may acknowledge it. Some people may not. I'm not going to go out of my way to be the person that other people will like. I'm going to walk in the situation saying, I know what I like about myself. And I really hope that other people like that too. 
if that is accepted and people like that, great. I'm going to want to come back to that social situation. If not, I'm not going to want to come back to that social situation. But oddly enough, from my experience, and I can confidently say this, people that go into the highly attention-seeking like role they play in a social situation or the people like, what do I got to do? They're dressing like that. Let me, let me, hold on. I got to cuff my pants different because I didn't know that was the new thing or whatever. Those people are playing it safe. But I know for myself, the most interesting people, the people I want to be around, the people that make me laugh, the people that I think are funny are the people that have social autonomy to some level, some degree. Mm -hmm. It's life's, my relationships, my life, my number one goal, I can't remember where I heard this from a long time ago, but I adopted it and I like this. It, I want my relationships in my life to be like Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors. I want white, black, different religions. Like I need more people around me of different life experiences if I'm going to learn how to have the most fulfillment and enjoyment in this life. How am I supposed to know what I like if I don't like if I don't have other people to measure it from? How am I going to learn about new podcasts or new books if I'm talking to the same boring people? Just joking. <laughs> but the same people every single day. to me at all. Staying in a close, tight knit is a very strong, powerful thing. But going outside of that and exploring different social experiences and different social groups gives you such a greater wealth of experience and knowledge because you don't have to go live in another country. But if you have another friend that did... You can learn from their experiences. So I guess as a mom, then trying to help your children, your child, see what they bring to the table. Trying to, in that, like vulnerable, like I also feel this way. And what, you know, maybe even asking your child, like Colton had this opportunity to share with me how he got through a tough social situation. I gave him the opportunity to, to share that with me you know, maybe helping point out, helping my kids to see the things that they have, the people that they are, the the identities that are wonderful about them and encourage them um, to identify yeah. those things about, you know, you said something else and I know we're kind of needing to wrap up, but you said something else right before we started talking and it was like three C's. Um, I remember one oh, of them. Oh, coddling, was, caring, yeah. and coaching. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, coddling, bad. Caring, good. Coaching is the action that you uh, do for someone that you care about. So a lot of times parents will go straight into the coaching mode or straight into the coddling mode, meaning you'll try and – We've talked about coddling and shame before. I'm using a different reference right now. When your kid's struggling, you have a lot of negative self-talk. They're down, being overly critical of themselves. It, sometimes it's a go-to to just jump in and try to just, you're good, you're amazing. Oh my gosh, like don't believe that. Why would you think that? And you know, just try to soften everything for and them. And you're kind of coming at that from your own pain, like trying yeah, to ease yeah. your yeah. your burden. That, that That is, it's not social anxiety, it's relational anxiety. Your anxiety comes from their anxiety that they're not good enough. And if your job is to make sure that they feel like they're good enough, then it gives you anxiety that you didn't a good enough job to make them feel like they were good enough. So much anxiety. Please rewind that if that didn't make <laughs> sense. But it actually, once you listen, so it actually makes sense. That's how complex <laughs> our minds are, right? A lot of back and forth, a lot of back and forth. So the coddling is, is a go-to. Um, now, caring though, that that's that that's a, that's a type of connection. Just showing that you care, you know, 
restating back what they said to you. You know, people know reflective listening. It's like, oh man, like, sounds like, you know, the struggle. Okay, you know, that, that's the type of connection statements. just by caring. Yeah, just using those statements, this and that. But once they're there and, and, and you help them feel secure that they've been heard, they've been listened to, then when you do the start, the the gentle coaching, you start to to nudge them in a different direction. And this is the final thing we're talking about. For you to help someone else with social anxiety, it, there's a lot of ways that you could present this. You can acknowledge in a vulnerable moment that you relate because you struggle with that yourself. Sometimes that's just a standalone statement and that's all you need to say. Other times you'll need to elaborate on that. You'll need to say like, I know this isn't about me, but I've had experiences and maybe be general. Other times you may, with the person you may meet, need to be more specific, like what you just did on the podcast today. A lot of people listening to this like, social anxiety for her? I, I didn't see that one coming. Maybe depression because the loss of your son, stuff like that, but social anxiety, that might not have been on people's radar for you. So then they're going, okay, I'm listening. Okay, this is, I want to see what she has to say. That's no different than if it was your own child. When we make their problem, when we make the problem it, when, as a parent, when we, when we make it look like the problem situation is that they have a problem with their self-confidence. Well, that's a result of other things that are happening, okay? It's not necessarily a, a problem at first. It's an opportunity to identify it and for you to be vulnerable with yours. As you said, if someone comes to you and says, ask you for advice and ask you for help, then you are going to feel like, hey, I have a purpose and that, that you know, I can, I can help out. One tip that I, I'm going to be doing a video on my on my social media, not this week, probably next week, is it's a very interesting way of being able to help someone break through their own social anxiety or and their own insecurities. And it goes off of what you just said. You want to be able to talk to them as if you need their input on something. So this is a, a little trick, okay? And okay, you've heard like you, tricks. you've heard me talk about. Um, this thing, I, I use it as jokes a lot. Every time we speak, I'll tell people in the audience, say, hey, listen, it's question times. At the very end, we do q and I said, you can ask me a question for yourself or you can ask me a question, I do air quotes, for a friend. Yes, I have this friend. So, so I got this friend, right? Right. I've heard that so many people have tried to use that really on me tons of times only for me to go, this is friend, drive the exact same car in the parking lot. You do like, yeah, okay, you got me. But it just shows that socially they're so insecure even though they know they can trust me, they're still not sure, right? Yeah. So you can do, go to your kids that have social anxiety and say, you know what? I got this friend, their teenage daughter, close to your age, is going through this issue. And you paint a picture of a very similar issue to what your kid is going through. And other parents have told me that sometimes their teenagers just listen and they think about it and they start to answer and start to talk about it. Other times a teenager looks at them with skeptical hippo eyes and say, your friend has a daughter, that's going through that. And I'm like, yeah. And then they know you're full of you know what, but you just keep going. It's like, no, no. no I just, I'm just curious what you'd know. It's like, well, I don't know. I'd probably tell you this. Trust me, you guys. Your kids and your loved ones will have great advice if they think it's for someone else. And then as they're talking about what they think you should tell your imaginary friend, what they should do with their kid, pieces they start to get the pieces. Yeah. <sighs> 
this is what I need to do with myself. The problem is not that your kids and you can't come up with good solutions. The problem is that the the situation creates so much intense emotions, yes. so many fears that you're yes. going to continue to be a failure. You can't come up with solutions when you have the all the walls built up. That's why I said you can't focus on per, you can't achieve personal progression when you're only focused on personal protection. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting because I've always said this. I believe that when we solve problems, when we're dealing with our own problems, it's in one place in the brain. And when we solve problems for somebody else, it's in a completely other part of our brain. And so if we can't access the other part of our brain to solve a problem that we actually have, we might actually solve a problem. In my profession, they call it vignettes. They will give us in graduate school, they will give us these case examples, vignettes of like, for example, I said, hey, I want, I want to specialize work with teenagers and families. They said, okay, well, we have a bunch of vignette scenarios that'd be good for you. I've lived now as a professional through every single one of those scenarios. And I remember looking back going, that's funny because at my job I have right now, I had almost the same situation. Like, All right, well, how would you handle it? My supervisor would always give me situations that I had problems with, but he'd make it about someone else's problem. And so I'd think about it totally differently, only come to find out going, Oh, that was really for my problem. That's such a good idea. <laughs> such a good and idea. And you may not have known because you, you've heard me say, so I've got this friend so many times. You may not have known that this was something I was, it was an actual tool I was using that I just started saying in public speaking because it works so well no, in my private I practice. I totally didn't know that you did that. Well, I, it, this so conversation never yeah. came up. So I just yeah, it was just a trick, a little hack so interesting. to try to get that's people to talk hack. about their problems by using a metaphor of someone else's problems. Because I am good at solving other people's problems. Oh, amazing at it. But I told you my best bumper sticker I've ever, uh, best bumper sticker I've ever seen in my whole entire life said, please take my advice because I'm sure not using it. <laughs> right. It's so true. I was like, took a snap of my bumper. I'm like, I need that bumper. I need that t-shirt. Please take my advice because I, I, I'm not doing anything with mine. Oh, man. Okay. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this episode like probably six times. I'm going to have to write some notes because... I've had like several like kind of little aha moments. It's been a while since I've actually come and talked to you like about my, like something I was really dealing with. Yeah. And, um, Not pre-recording of the podcast. Maybe. Right. <laughs> right. So you guys, thank you for like letting me talk about my problems and working through this because um, – yeah, it's well. You're a great. You're a great example my, of you're transitioning mind. from having a lot of social anxiety into having more social autonomy. And I love. I love what Colton said. Like you got to run with the big dogs, and putting yourselves in those situations. Every athlete, every academic knows you don't get smarter or better by being around people who you're better than. You're not going to get better. I, I played basketball every day with my way older brothers that I couldn't even get a shot off because they'd push me in the bushes, knock me down. I'm like, I'm never going to get good at basketball because they beat me up. It's like a full contact version of basketball <laughs> until I went on the court with my friends and realized that they're not beating me up and I can shoot. I'm like, oh, this is easy now. Right. I was used to the contact. I was used to the stress, the struggle. It was totally just something that I was comfortable with and I wasn't uncomfortable with it. And you only get that by throwing yourself in those really difficult situations, but you have to do it willingly. That's the trick. If you feel like you're pressured, you're forced to go into social situations, like the teenagers that I'd use the social autonomy concept with, they were coming to me wanting me to help them with social situations. I couldn't just go to someone and make right. them do this. They had to say, I want to do this. And then I'd give them the advice I'd give them the tools. They'd go and do it and come back and report. We just had this back. They'd experiment, come back and report. Experiment, come back and report. And guess what? They figured it out. 
Every single one of them would get better in a very short period of time as long as they're willing to go out there and put themselves in those situations. But they're willingly put themselves in situations instead of saying, I have to go to this dance this weekend. I have to ask this girl out because my friends are asking these girls. They said, ask this girl out. No, then, then you're already, you're already, it's already ruined before it even starts. If you're saying, oh, wait a second, I get another chance to redo my last failure. I, I get to get back in the game. I know that last year for me, I really, one of the things I really wanted to, to overcome was that fear of talking about Corey in front of people. And, um, and we took on some uncomfortable situations um, with don't freak out events yeah. and um, parenting workshops, but I, but I wanted to. And I think that we have to allow ourselves to come to some type of an, an awareness and like what you said, willingness. And that's really where this, this kind of started is that I'm tired of feeling the sweaty palms as I'm driving into a parking lot. You know, I just want to go and I just want to be myself. Um, well, and that only comes by repetition. You know that. Right. Like the, the first workshop we did, you're a mess. Okay. <laughs> Second one, yeah, not as really much. Was. Third is one, feeling pretty good. Fourth, we're like, I think I got this. Yeah, I didn't right? hit any you red just, lights. Yeah, you didn't hit any red lights <laughs> on the way there. We had no technical difficulties that day. Everything went smoothly. You just need more practice in yeah. it. And for all those people out there that are wanting to help their kids, wanting to help themselves to develop more social autonomy, one of the, the tools that I give in my counseling sessions to help people is instead of just writing down things they like about themselves, and I use the word social currency a lot, I would say write down, so I'd call it social currency, what are the things that you have and how much is it worth to other people? So a lot of times kids would come to me and say, I'm actually good at like just listening and laughing at people's jokes. Okay, that's a good thing. It's like, so you're a good listener. That's really good because if someone's talking, not everybody can be talking in a social group. Okay, write that down. Or someone's like, I'm really funny with dry sense of humor. I have really good one-liners. I make people laugh. Okay. So they just go down a list and just saying every single one of these things is as valuable as money. Social currency is an exchange system. I have something to offer. You have something to offer. So now we're going to make a deal. I'm the friend who's really good at math and I'm the friend who's not scared to talk to girls. Okay, let's team up. You can help me with my math so I can go out with you and hang out with girls because I'm always grounded because I have bad math grades. This is not a joke. Like, being right. able to see social, your social skills is a currency that you can give to someone. It's no different than going to a store and saying, I have money. And the store saying, I need money to stay away, to stay alive, stay up. And they say, well, we have a product. So well, I want that product. Well, let's just make an exchange. So if you write down a list of things that you have that is like a social currency, then you read through those things before you walk into a social situation. You're already thinking of what you have to offer instead of what you lack. And this is probably something that parents, it's something that parents can help kids understand what their current what they what they have well i always would tell the parents they'd say oh what are you doing with my kid and say this is what we're doing it's like wow that's great i'm like why don't you do it for yourself oh well you know i you know uh no seriously why don't you do it for yourself because imagine the conversation you would have with your kids and this is a number of parents would take me up on it they would then tell their kids like you know the whole social currency thing that you're doing dave's like i decided to do that and the kid's like really you did let me see what's on your list the parents like well, I'm good at this. And the one teenager one time was like, well, mom, you're also good at this. She's like, you think I am? And he actually added some things to his mom's list that she didn't think she had. And she was like, this is the biggest win ever because I didn't think I had that. Now I went into the social situation going, if my son says I has it, then it's legit. Yeah. Like it, was a, it was a really yeah. good confirmation. So you can do this with your friends. 
meaning like friends can do this. I had this one boy, he actually did this with one of his buddies. A lot of the kids that I share this stuff with, they go and run, tell their friends. They're like, dude, you got to try this. Like, it's like they, teenagers are the best networkers in the world. Like, hey, there's something going on. They're texting everybody. They're constantly putting out there. So it's just fun to, to do these things, but it's really great if you can do it with yourself. Right. And then try to encourage someone else to do it as well. Yeah. So that's what it is from social anxiety to social autonomy. I like that a lot. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for hanging in with me as I as I work through this through my own little Don't worry, you guys. We balance. still have plenty of fight to light. <laughs> we're not running out of problems. So no, we're, not, we're not closing shop up quite yet. Oh, anyway. And with your guys' help with uh, your uh, suggestions for guests, We'll have even more topics to talk about. That's right. We we love that. We love hearing from you. We appreciate you listening. We love it when you I always forget the cameras share... on for, for the YouTube. I never even look at the camera. Hey, what's up? <laughs> when you share um, with your friends, I think that I had several um, several different messages this week that were like, hey, my, my sister told me about you. My brother-in-law told me about you. Like all these different things. So thank you for spreading the word. Um, we were saying right before we started that probably the most people who need the people who need this podcast the most don't even know about it so if you um if you're benefiting from our podcast please spread the word um give us a review and um in any event please keep listening keep helping us to light the fight Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big